This is a piece from Parshat Noach, Shnat Tafresh Tzadi, ברשימה So Rashi brings Hoel, but he's Kiros, he perbishvachol. Rashi says, since already Noach was mentioned, then the Torah wants to praise him. Noach was a righteous man, he was a tzaddik, etc. So that's the, the, the necessity for repeating his name, talking about him more. But the Rebbe asks, but if that's the case, lama hutzrach lichpol et shmo? But nonetheless, why do you need to say his name twice? Ela todot Noach. This was this is the story of Noah. He was a righteous man. Why tell me Noah Noah? Okay, don't why repeat Noah twice? The Rebbe goes on. And once again, another question the, the Rebbe is planting here to contemplate that um, he will answer for us at the very end of this drasha, if we get there with him all the way, is this inyan, that some people read these psukim about Noah to be praiseworthy, and some people reg- read them as being a, a dig at Noah. Right? You all familiar with that? If he was in other generations, he would be not such a tzaddik, whereas well, if he was in other generations, he'd be even a greater tzaddik. You know? So let's just file those questions away, and we'll get back to them at some point. Om nam itameh rebi ribdov zatzal. So he starts by quoting the Magid of Mezvich ribdov there. Magid is saying there's a teaching from the Arizal that after a proper prayer, after tefillah, or retsuya even means, it almost sounds like if your tefillah was made it, so to speak, on high. What, 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 we, what we're left with is a reshima min hamochim, an impression, a trace that remains from the consciousness that was born um, or received during that prayer experience. Bichlal, in the approach of the Ari, the the divine flow of life, moment to moment, day by day, that is um, increased, effective through our mitzvot and avodat Hashem, is oftentimes described as mochi, consciousness. That there's new consciousness birthed that we can receive every day from, from prayer. Why are we davening every day? We're davening every day so God can infuse us with a greater degree um, of divine consciousness. So successful prayer would not only bird something in that moment, but there would be a trace of it that remains with the person afterwards. So as is the, the, the derech of the, the Hasidic Rebbe's, they're taking the Kabbalistic concepts which, which sound like they belong in some kind of cosmology, and they're going to make it experiential in, in the human realm. The, the Magim Ezra wants to explain, how, how am I supposed to feel something like this? How do I know? What does that look like in my life? So the Magim says, Zoti That mochin, that trace of, of consciousness that, that can remain with a person after tefillah, is the sense of hachna'ah that a person might, might feel afterwards. Hachna'ah, um, in a sense, means a, a, de- a degree of, of, of surrender. 
a degree of humility. I can walk away from this prayer experience with a remaining feeling of humility that stays with me after having stood before my Creator. Right? All of a sudden, it's not just some kind of like high spiritualized mochim, some kind of divine consciousness. Well, you walk away, do you, do you feel like having stood in the presence of God left a trace on you? The Magi goes on, even though a person can't live the whole day with that intensity of mind and heart and awareness like they are in the moments of prayer. Nonetheless, that awareness that they touched in prayer, the, 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 the experience of having a bit of, of humility and surrender before God, that can remain with us. Yeah? That's the, the Magi's interpretation um, of, of the Arizal's words. Now the Piyazashim speaks. Api Pashutu, Mahi Rashima. So the Rebbe, the Rebbe now is, is going to be Medayik in the Arizal's words. Because the Arizal talks about a Rashima, which I said is an impression or a trace, a Roshim, you know, so to speak. But he says, what is Rashima? Keshekotvim ot umochim ota nisheret Rashima. What is a Rashima? When you write a letter on a page and then you erase it, there's a Rashima left. There's the shadow of what you wrote. The etching of your pencil can't actually come out. Meaning that even after you erase the letter, the white, the stark white of the paper is no longer so white. There's a little bit of of a remaining shadow, so to speak, of the of the darkness of the ink or the lead that had been written upon it. And if a letter had never been written, all you would see is that that clean white paper. But what's happened is that the white of the paper has surrendered itself a bit, has been mitpatel, has been nullified to the blackness, to the darkness of the, of the writing upon it. Right, so remember already, he's using the word hachna'a. Remember the Magi talked about hachna'a, humility. We'll see where he goes with this, okay? This is what true hachna'a in a human being is, is like, meaning true humility, a true sense of, because hachna'a is not only humility, it's the sense, it's the humility that comes from feeling my smallness towards something larger than me, feeling that I am truly in, in an essential way surrendered to something greater. What is true hachna'a? What is true humility? Rabbi says, what is true humility? True humility comes from the intensity of light that a person has experienced resting upon them, pressing upon them like ink on paper. If your sense of smallness vis-a-vis your creator doesn't come from from having encountered this great light, Resting upon you, that's not true, that's not true humility. It's not true surrender. True humility comes from having experienced God's light. That's what the Rebbe is saying. Again, if you take the image of, of, of a pen of ink pressing on paper, 
So there's an encounter between two things. And that even when that ink is removed, right, we're not in the intensity of the encounter anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm shopping for groceries now. I'm not davening on Yom Kippur. Right? Was there a, is there a mark that remains with me? Have I, has there been an imprint on me from that encounter? That sense of humility, true humility has to come from an encounter with God. This is what the Rebbe is saying. And, 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 and other forms of humility are not the true kind of achna'ah in his words. Well, let's read on a little bit and, and he'll expand for us. Okay? Now, now, he, now he quotes the Gemara. V'tsimam the gasut ruach and yut batorah. This is a powerful statement of Chazal. A sign of gasuta ruach, which basically means arrogance, haughtiness, is anyut b'Torah, is is poverty in Torah. Pipashut, the Gemara is basically saying, if somebody doesn't have Torah, if they're poor with regard to Torah. The flip side of that is going to be haughty. It's going to lead to haughtiness. It's going to lead to a sense of, of arrogance. Again, powerful statement. Let's let's hear what he has to say about it in this context. Rabbi is explaining that if a person is empty of Torah and and the light of holiness doesn't live within them. So some to a greater degree to some to less. Okay, let's let's take it in the broadest sense possible. But if, if I have no Torah inside of me, it's impossible to have a true sense of this kind of surrender of self. And and the person will be filled with their own spirit. And even if it appears to the person themselves that no, really I'm I'm very humble. I understand how, how my, my lowly state, my shifluta ruach is the opposite of gasuta ruach. Gasuta ruach means like a coarseness of spirit, like my own sense fills me up. And shifluta ruach is the sense of humility, which is I'm not filled with my own air only. <laughs> it's not my own ruach that's, that's, that's filling me. I'm, I'm aware that I'm, I am where I am and I'm limited to the degree that I'm limited. And that comes from an awareness of something that's much, much bigger than me. So it says even so he says even if it appears to me that I, I have this this kind of humility, it's actually not a true. It's not not truly true humility. He says it's it's more ignorance and emptiness than humility. This is very powerful. I mean, his words are pretty sharp here, but it's also just a very powerful reframe. Is people think humility means. I'm nothing. I'm small. I'm low. And the Rebbe is saying, a holy awareness of my smallness and my lowness, a, a, a true sense of humility, actually comes from having encountered something great and immense. It doesn't just come from self-deprecation. It actually doesn't come from that at all. He says that's called emptiness. That's called ignorance. If I'm filled with with holiness, again, to some degree, oh, that can leave an impression on me that helps me truly 
gain a this kind of perspective about about myself vis-a-vis God. But but merely negative being filled with negative self-talk. Sorry, that's not humility. <laughs> that's that's misguidedness. It's being misguided. Yeah. Because there's some people who they just don't have a strong ruach, strength of spirit, strong da, strong consciousness, strong will. So why, if I, if that's me, why am I in a low state? Why am I spiritually um, hampered, so to speak? Well, it's it's. He says it's like being being sick. It's as if I have a disease. Like I'm just not so healthy. That's my lowness. My lowness is caused by 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 a degree of um, being not not spiritually healthy. It's not because I, I have an actual um, I've cultivated actual humility. I'm just I'm just kind of weak. It's because it's 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 not a, a cultivation of a true sense of humility. It's 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 ju- it's merely because I don't feel any sense of spirit inside of me, any sense of strength. My limbs are just mitparkim. They're they're in a sense falling to bits. It's a it's a brokenness. Ashfirat atzmuto. I'm 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 really in a in a in a in a, in a shattered state. That's not called humility. That's called being broken. But, but the path of Torah is, is not one of weakness and, and, and disease. Says in Perkeavot. says we should, we, should have, we should be powerful like a leopard. What? Yes. Yes. Not only and humble at the same time, but, but the Rebbe is beginning to tell us that this is the path of, of humility. Humility isn't weakness. Those two things aren't meant to be um, confused for one another. I can be weak just because I'm, I'm spiritually unhealthy. That's not called humility. Humility is a positive trait that, that I cultivate through powerfully engaged spiritual work and experience that forms my perspective. Okay, I'm, I'm already I'm speaking about... We've got paragraphs to read, but I'm, I'm responding to the... The question marks here, yeah? The Torah is telling us, no, be strong. Be strong-willed. Be strong-minded. Um, have resolve. Be committed. Be dedicated. Be devoted. Be passionate. Like you're saying, Rabbi. And, and with all of this, to cultivate humility. Not because... You're empty, not because you're so lacking. It's rather the humility comes as a result of being filled with light. So the hachna'ah, the humility, it's not because I'm empty. It's not because I'm sick spiritually. But it's because I'm filled with 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 a lot of light. And 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 because of that light, I am nitpatel to it. I'm given over to it. I'm surrendered to it. I, I have a visceral awareness of that which is greater than me. 
And I am nichna l'kedusha. And I surrender myself to something holy. And, and therefore, if prayer is going to fill me with light, with, with, with a visceral sense of the divine, of something holy, so then even after my prayer, there's going to be a mark, a trace of that left in me, and I will walk in the world with a sense of, of hachna'ah, of humility, of, of surrender to that, to that light. Uh, I, I want to speak out with the alternative. What the alternative looks like is that I do something holy, I pray, I learn, I do this thing, I do Shabbos, and then I detach. Like I'm, I'm totally mamdil ben kodesh l'chol, right? I'm either doing something holy or I'm... I'm I'm doing something completely disconnected from from that from that holy realm that exists over there. I, part of what the Rebbe is is beginning to describe here, and, and I feel like the question that that's that's sitting at the core here is, how do we integrate kedusha into life that is not explicitly engaging in some kind of religious or holy act? And not only that, but how do our experiences of something holy become transformative? How do we actually walk in a way that, that brings and carries those experiences into our lives? How does it remain with us and not just be a touch and go? Not just be... Because even, even a powerful experience it could be, okay, I did that, but now I'm not there. Are you saying, well... I want to reframe something. I want to give you another perspective. That there's a bridge between those experiences and the rest of your life. And, and, and this, is, this is a way to articulate it. And I think, and I think any, of our, any of our midots, any of our traits, any of our, you know, if it's, if it's going to be real, then it has to have integrity to it. It has to be something that, that's truly part of us and how we, how we live our lives and not just... You know, okay, I'm putting on the I'm putting on the holy clothes now to do the holy thing, and then I'm going to go back and and take a break. His analogy of the paper and the writing, and yeah. it seems to me that once that thing touches you, even if you move to the mm. other side of not connectedness, mm. that that thing is still there. Nachon, nachon, and 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 it's very very true what you're saying because he's he's actually describing to us how he sees these connections. He's not so much saying this is what you have to do or should do. Yeah. He's saying, you know what, those, those experiences that are meaningful in the moment, they do leave a, an imprint. And that's what I when, when, when Moshe Rabbeinu is described as each Moshe Rabbeinu called Adam. Yeah, right. No, 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 what I'm saying, huh? that description Moshe Rabbeinu was Truly, on love, whether he was engaged with God mm-hmm. or whether he was engaged with Amishra. Mm-hmm. But I, I, even more than that, Moshe Rabbeinu is Anavmi Kol Adam. But wait a minute, Moshe Rabbeinu is is the greatest prophet who ever lived. Moshe Rabbeinu encountered the greatest revelation of any human being on earth. Oh. So of course he's an Avnikolatam. Right? Of course he has the, the humility. I, I, I think the Rebbe is challenging, like we have these 
ideas in our mind that that greatness and humility are kind of opposite. How do I, how do I, how can I accept um, my greatness and, 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 and understand that I can be humble at the same time? Encountering greatness in, 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 a, in an authentic way is going to lead to our humility. And Not but, the but other the, way around. One more time. Not the other uh, way around. The humility. Gamken. 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 But 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 I think more and more to the point. The Rebbe is really challenging uh, the basic conception of oh, a humble person knows knows how how broken they are. What a shmata they are. He's saying, okay, but it doesn't come from knowing how, what a shmata you are. It comes from, from being filled with light. This is his words. These are his words. So the Rebbe goes on. So now the Rebbe is, gonna, is being a little more... Yeah, he's going to be a little more, um, giving a little more guidance, a little more specific, detailed description of how, how, how does this work. He says, this is what it depends on, he says. If in your prayer the light encompasses your entire body and penetrates all of your insides, and the light from above is written and etched upon your entire body and all of its kochot, all of its energies, all of its strengths, so then you will experience that sense of hachna'ah, of surrender to that light in your tefillah. And then after your tefillah, that light will remain with you too. Something very powerful that everybody's describing here is that what does it mean to encounter light in prayer, holiness in prayer? Okay, it's really beautiful words. Really beautiful words. But what does that look like? Is that something that has to do with me? Still? Not, not clear, right? So everybody says, what it looks like is to the degree that it's possible for us to be fully immersed in the experience of prayer. Outside and inside. Body, right? Use the body very powerfully. Is, is the experience of prayer surra- surrounding and filling my body? All of its kochot. Is my energy actually being, am I actually pouring my energy into here? I can't stand there um, kind of cold and shut down and, and have a very, even if I have a very kind of clear focus, uh, concentration intellectually, if my body's not engaged there, it's not going to penetrate. He's saying it has to be written into my bones. It has to be written on my flesh. Have you ever experienced a sense of something holy that you felt viscerally in your flesh? The Rebbe here, and I'll say also throughout his writings, is, is trying to guide us to be proactively seeking and working to, to be available to those kinds of experiences, rather than it just happening to us sometimes on Friday night or a couple times a year on the Chagim. Because, like you're saying, for, for most of us, I think we can, okay, there's times, when, you know, I remember as a kid, like, I didn't know what was going on in shul, but, but, but once a year, like, my hairs would be standing on end. Okay, but they're saying, 
Hefer, it's not enough for us to be um, for 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 holiness to just happen to happen upon us once in a while. For it's to become something that that's truly infusing and informing our lives. We need to learn to develop ourselves to be able to experience that more and be be proactively engaging in it. So we know what it's like when it happens to us, yeah. So so maybe that's that's the beginning point of what 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 would it take for me to bring myself there. But I don't do anything. I know. To bring it, it, it comes to me. That's exactly the point I'm making. We don't. That that's that's kind of the default, right? It happens to us, when and and thank God it does. That's the beginning point. The beginning point is, oh, you've experienced that. Okay, that's the kind of that's the kind of experience that the Rebbe is 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 trying to describe for us. This isn't. This doesn't happen when this holiness doesn't surround our entire body and it doesn't enter into my insides from 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 out and in. Even though I might be very focused in my mind, I might have very good mental concentration. If my body is not aroused and feeling anything. It's not going to happen. And that fire, the writing of above, from above, the white fire is not written into my body and it will not have this afterwards. There won't be anything that stays with me from the experience because it didn't reach me where I'm standing in my skin. It won't be recognizable in, in the body that walks to the shukah. It lived in my mind for those few moments. And it's going to stay there. Bichlal, the Rebbe's always talking about Avodat um, Hashem is not something that lives in thought. You can't think that you believe in God. No. You have to find ways to, to live it in, in your lived, embodied life. And, and here too. You have to make space for it. That's why throughout the Gemara, when we talk about intention, kavana and prayer, concentration, it's kavana talev. It's the heart's kavana. Even though the the mind is is maybe the most um, important tool we use. To have kavanah, to have concentration, to maintain concentration. But, but mental concentration isn't enough. That's not called proper kavanah and filah, mental concentration. It's, it doesn't stop there. What does it depend on? What does kavanah and filah depend on? It depends on kavanah and a heart. Emotions that are engaged. The body that is attuned to that moment of prayer. You know, I'll give you just, just a simple response to the question of, of, of a how, okay? Because I think the Rebbe is already starting to flesh this out a little more. I love, I love that word, flesh this out. Right? He's bringing it into the, into the cells of the, of the body. It's one thing to stand there and say, okay, I'm going to remind myself in my mind, I'm standing before God. I'm going to try to pay attention to the meaning of the words that I'm saying. I want to be mentally engaged. Super important. But 
what if in addition to that, I'm, I'm standing there with a sense that, you know, it's not only in my mind that is my thoughts that are, that are standing here exposed and, and naked before my creator. My body is standing here before my creator. The sensations in my body are, are all transparently appearing before God. And when I speak these words, can I bring that awareness to what's happening in my emotions, in my skin? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just imagine also if, you know, sometimes you see people who are like doing these body motions and it's like they learned how to move their body that way. And, but, but, and they're, so they're trying to like keep their mind attached, but the body's like somewhere else. I mean, I could be praying and focus on every word and just kind of like be, you know, this and this, moving my... What, is it, what does it look like for my limbs to be praying to? All of my body, all of my bones are saying, God, who's like you? So what if I just, you know, talking about making space, what if I take some time before I pray, in the middle of my prayer, to, to return to that sense of here I am in my, in my flesh, standing before God and communicating with God. Full, tr- full transparency from head to toe. And to, to, to speak words in a way that's going to maintain and sustain that awareness, or at the very least, return to it when I, when I drift from it. Internalizing that experience into my, into my body and into my heart. And not just to have thought really hard for a few minutes while I pray. Going to read on. It says, this is what hitpalut is this beautiful word that Rebbe uses all the time. It, it kind of means the um, hitpael is to, to be aroused, to get all worked up, to get activated, turned on. This is the whole inyan, this is the whole matter of, of being aroused by tefillah, by prayer. If I were to bring you something that is not so valuable to you, you wouldn't get so excited about it. Here, take a, take a banana. Why? Because that object itself, its value in my eyes or for me, doesn't carry the weight or the strength to get my whole soul and spirit all worked up about it. Oh, banana. Which is not the case if I bring you something of extreme value. I bring you something very precious. Now he's going to give an example. What about if a parent find, meets their child who they haven't seen for a really long time? Their entire being is excited. Their entire being is fully engaged. 
And, and again, you're not thinking about it. You're not causing it to happen. You're not like, oh, right now I need to I need to get really excited because this is very valuable. It's really important to me. Oh, it's my child after all. I haven't seen you for the Yes, I'm so excited to see. No, we're not we're not convincing ourselves mentally. It happens automatically. We can't just totally turn on, head to toe. I, it's not hard even to think about something else in that moment. This is all that's here for me right now. Oh, so he's saying the same thing. You forget in that moment to eat, to drink, to sleep. Your basic needs are no longer your needs. You know, think about a, a, someone who you, who you love a lot, a, a good friend you haven't seen for a long time. You ever the experience, you could stay up mamish all night talking. Like you're not tired. I don't care if I'm, I don't need to eat tonight. It's not on my mind. I'm, 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 I'm enlivened by this encounter. That's all there is. Because again, to the mashal, the parent and the child, the, the child, child's presence gets, gets me so infused and enthused. My entire body, my bones, my, my spirit, my soul, they are completely given over to this precious moment, to this preciousness that I'm, that I'm encountering. Even my hunger is surrendered, is nullified to the preciousness of, of my child here. Can Ish Israel? Now he's, he's going to give it a little bit of an example of, again, what's, what I'll say afterwards. Can Ish Israel? So too, with an Ish Israel, somebody whose soul. Is this this soul of Israel? Afilu isha pashut, even the most simple person. Okay, we're not talking about tamidi chachamim and, and sadikim here. Simple person. Kshemit palel Hashem al tzrachav. The person is is praying for their needs. Vichoshev b'machshava chazaka. He's beginning to to explain the how, and they're thinking in a with a powerful awareness. That I am standing before Yudke Vavke, the creator and being of all, in whose hands the life of all existence rests. And it is in God's hands to redeem me and save me and provide for all of my needs, physical and spiritual. And all of my existence, all of my, my life force. My own life, the life of all of my, my relatives, the life of, 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 of all people. It all rests on this moment of me standing and, and asking from the Creator of all, and begging. What's happening if, if that's the awareness of, of my prayer there, right, right, right now? Do I have a problem with Kavana? If I have a real need, I'm going to bring this down even more. If I have a real need, and I'm praying to God to fulfill that need, do I have a problem with Kavana? No. I don't want to mention like Tsaras or anything, but... If I'm in a state of need and I'm praying from that that need, there's no problem with kavana, and and it's not and it's not only a mental concentration either. My body is feeling what I'm doing. My emotions are feeling what they're doing. The words are 
pregnant with meaning. The powerful awareness is there. Can I finish the sentence? That is a moment of all of my energies being completely subjugated, given over, nullified, surrendered to God. Part of why the Amim Noraim are so powerful for us is because the, the words are just, how could you not tremble when you say, like, I've got nothing. Like, all, all we're doing there is, is being brought and exposed to that powerful awareness of how dependent we are in every breath and every moment on, on God. The Amim Noraim are Nora because they, they're just filled with that kind of awareness. You may think. That's that that helps for this kind of powerful experience. Ah, ah, but we're not always not always Rosh Hashanah. It's not always Yom Kippur, and we can't really live that way, most of us, right? Okay, but say there. But but the Rebbe's bringing it back. What what he's really doing here is guess what? We can all tap into this. We've all had these experiences. There's been a time when you've prayed for somebody who's ill. There's been a time when you've prayed for Parnasa. There's been a time when you've prayed for for Zivu. There's been a time when you've prayed for. For so many things. Those are moments that, that we touch that sense of hachna'a. Why do we touch that hachna'a? Because we, we're totally there. We're totally infused by, by that experience of prayer. It fills us. Ah, so let, let's, let's, let's keep reading, okay? And again, this is for even the simplest, simplest person can, 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 can relate to that. Umikol shekein ha'ishi yesho leiv v'moach lihit pa'el gam all the more so, what about a person who has the mind and heart to really to turn themselves on, to get activated, also in a moment when they're not requesting and begging for their needs? Remember, we've, we've talked about this, these words. Just when they can say those words, Baruch, Ata, Hashem, and in those words, they're they're meditating on those words. How close am I? How intimate is my interaction with with God right now? That I can just speak in the presence of you. I'm speaking directly to you. And it, it seems to the person, it occurs to that person in that moment that an, an opening has been opened for this person that, that cuts through all worlds, all veils, all barriers that, that divide me from God. There's an opening right now where I'm just talking right to you. Me and you. And in this moment, I'm standing before this holiness, this glory. This awesomeness I'm, I'm addressing right here in the present. You, Hashem, are Baruch. How much is a person going to get inflamed? Turn, turn, turn. Uh, they'll be, they'll, they'll be turned into a fiery flame in this moment. How much will they be 
aroused and, and, and awakened from this awareness, from this moment. All of the energies of the body are, are given over to this experience. And this is a moment when the person is completely, again, surrendered to that holy light that's, that's resting upon them. I'm, I'm, in, I'm being, my body's being suffused with this awareness. To the, to the degree that even after I stop praying and, and, and walk into the rest of my life, to the rest of my day, there's got to be something of that experience that remains. It's just a, tr- a simple trace. Oh, that was, that, that was a real experience. That it's going to leave something within me. It's going to, even, even a slight trace, it's going to leave an impression. Do we feel like when the Rebbe is describing these two modes of prayer that it's, it's a little more relatable and accessible? Yeah, Moments of praying with, with strong emotion out of need and moments of having strong awareness of standing in God's presence. Those are two modes of prayer that, that they'll be saying, these are, are moments when we are filled with this kind of or in Kedusha that I'm talking about. Again, it's not some kind of um, otherworldly, sublime, angelic experience I'm talking about. This is a very human experience. How do human beings experience God? Here's one way, here's another way. What can happen from these kinds of experiences? Something can, can stay with us. Something can begin to, to, to affect us. I think, I think for today we're, we're good. Um, I just encourage us to uh, pay attention to this. Yeah, to pay attention to, to, to what touches us and, uh, and, and even to just begin to imagine for ourselves, like, oh, do I... Do I feel that when I'm not there? Can I can I can I remind myself of that? Can I can I be aware of oh there's, there there was something there and, and, I, and I'm not going to just let it stay there but it, it's here in me too. And if I am being touched by something in this moment, can I take the time to to let it um, saturate and, and really permeate me even more? I don't have to rush through the rest of my tefillah if I'm feeling something in this moment. Soak in it. Yeah. Soak in it. I just, I just find it interesting that working with young kids mm. who, you know, are trying to become uh, connected and closer, it seems to me that prayer for them is the last outpost. Sure. You know, and it's... Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, like, I, 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 I try to reconcile that with, like, myself also, you know, yeah. at times, like Rob says, you know, you can, you can't, it's working, it's not working, yeah. it's harder to make it work, and, like, why would that be, you know, like, in uh, essence? I, I think because the ikar of prayer is something that we aren't taught. It's like, we miss that in our education. Like, the ikar of prayer is the, what the Rebbe is describing of the hachvana, the kavanat alev, the kavanat aguf, the kavanat bichlal, the kavanat. Right, to the degree to which the Ramam says, if you pray without kavanah, it's not, you didn't do the mitzvah. Okay, that... 
reading, let me say it this way, reading words out of a book is not a spiritual experience. <laughs> Mumbling words out of a book is even even less spiritual experience. Yeah, you don't understand. We, we have to, like the training has to, has to begin and the avoda has to begin and constantly return to what, how do we cultivate ourselves and, and bring ourselves to, to an encounter, an experience. It's, the words aren't going to do it for us. Again, the Yamim Norai, maybe a couple times a year, Simchas Torah, what have you. There's there's environments that are more powerfully um, directed towards this, and that 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 do it for us. But but tefillah on its own, well, we can go on and on about this. Yeah. But uh, I think that uh, you read the Rambam, uh, his description of how tefillah came to be codified um, and formulated. It seems to me that that basically. Formal tefillah came about as a substitute for when we no longer knew how to pray. It was there to teach us how we might come to pray rather than to merely become the essence of prayer, the sum total of prayer. He describes historically people who like could no longer <laughs> express themselves because of an exiled experience and confused and loss of identity and all sorts of, of things. And so Chazal said, you know what? We've got to give them something to, to just anchor a touchstone, a way of reconnecting, because otherwise there will be nothing left. But, but what if, what if tefillah was teaching me how to pray rather than being the, the crutch that I just rely on to pray for me? Yeah. Shukran, yeah.